Hello everyone and welcome to the Mortgage Show podcast. My name is Monty and I'm your host of the show that takes an insightful and irreverent look deep into the mortgage market. We want to look at what makes it tick, speak to the movers and shakers, as well as those at the coalface to understand not just where we are, but where we are going and how we can improve. We have another interesting show lined up for you today, looking at the subject that is on everyone's lips. No, it's not Brexit, but that other stalwart of broker discussions everywhere, technology. We have covered this before, but such is the pace of change in this market, especially after the FCA's latest paper on competition, advice, execution only and consumer choice, I thought it important to see what the latest developments are. And who better to help me do this than the two guests I have today? I'm delighted to be joined by James Tucker, the CEO of 27 Tech. Hello, James. Hey, Monty. How are you? It's good to see you. Thank you for arriving. A little bit late, but anyway, never mind. (laughs) I promise I wouldn't. Is it busy? (laughs) A little bit. Oh, good. Well, we'll come to that in a sec. Uh, And also joining him on the very elaborate and comfortable looking sofa we have today is Corico's very own tech evangelist himself, Matt Lowndes. Hello, Matt. Were you expecting me? I thought, yeah. thought, thought Jules was the tech evangelist in the office. <laughs> uh, well, oh, God, look, that's really bad, isn't it? That's my wife calling. I can't do that. Dial her in. No, I can dial silent. her in. That's a bit worrying. Why is my wife calling? She knows she's on a podcast. This, happen, this doesn't happen to Peter Crouch, does it? No. <laughs> These anyway. podcasts are funny. <laughs> <laughs> Right, uh, James. Monty. We last met about six or even nine months ago, I think it was. We did a, did a similar podcast. I've seen you a few times since then. Uh, well, yeah, you know what I mean. Anyway, don't be pedantic. It's going to be a very long podcast if it's going to go like this. Um, 27 Tech seems to be, well, blazing a trail, really. Um, although many brokers still claim that they yet to see any real difference. Where, where are you guys on your journey now? And um, is, is this really the year that everything changes? I think the, the brokers who are saying they haven't seen any real difference yet uh, are absolutely right. I think there's no question that a lot of the changes that we've been working on and you know, other players in the market have been working on the intermediary space haven't really fed through yet to the, the bulk of the broker community. Um, but that's not to say that those changes are not coming. I think there's a great deal of work being done in the background, um, particularly on the lender side to, to produce the kind of technology that the broker market is looking for and, and all credit to them for that. And I think you're certainly starting to see the first the first glimpses, if you like, of some of that work um, coming to fruition with what we've done recently, for example, with the likes of Kensington and Keystone as well, yeah. and also some of the other providers in the market too. So I think I completely agree that we're, we're not quite there yet, um, but you'd be surprised how fast I think the pace of change will, mm. will start to happen from now on in. So this year you think see, there'll definitely be some some changes coming you you've got how are the, how are all the lenders looking at it are they are they buying into to what you're doing through the mortgage apply it seems, yeah, so, seems to be so great question i mean we did this event back in february where we we put up a, a list of names on the board and said look we we've got commitment from these lenders on this timeline and there was 15 names on that and there was varying dates from q2 q3 q4 um, now, the reality is whether we're going to hit all of those dates definitively or not is, is subjective and dependent upon how those lenders get on in that the work that they're, they're doing at the moment. But I think as we sit here right now, it's still my expectation and understanding that we will have 15 lenders live on the platform wow. by the end of the year. Um, and it may be that the bulk of those come towards the end of the year rather than sort of Q2, Q3. But I think the work, as I say, that, that is being done in the background now is, is tangible and it's starting to produce mm. real 
real technology that we can work with and we can we can interact with, and it's giving us a, a great deal of confidence that a lot of the promises that have been made um, uh, are going to turn into something real very soon. So, to those listening who don't know, what very quickly is is mortgage apply? What will it allow me as a broker to do? So, essentially, as a principal, Monty, what what mortgage apply enables you to do is to submit applications to lenders um, from one single platform um, without ever having to leave that one system. So, rather than having to go into multiple different lender systems, you're going to be able to submit decision and principles, applications, documents, all the way through to case notes and case tracking to multiple lenders from that one single system. Brilliant. We'll save significant amounts of time in terms of rekeying and data. Um, and we'll also give you a massive benefit in terms of being able to see the case tracking updates on every single application you've got, regardless of who those lenders are. Okay, very good. That's interesting. And Matt, this is a sort of a similar question, really. First of all, it's nice to see you. I feel like I haven't seen you for about nine, ten months. No, you've been... I've, I've been buying Lonely Planets, Monty, and travelling around Europe. So. You've, been, you've been sort of locked away doing, well, developing... Corico system, spending loads of your time on, on my Corico. And will brokers see a real difference there? What What is that? What's that going to do? Uh, well, hopefully if it, it, it... Well, so we've created something that will mean that um, we've got a platform that can integrate with whatever else is appearing on the market. So if, you know, James's system uh, can take APIs, which it does, then it means that we won't have to re-key our data to go through James's system to submit it to a lender and it's two-way API. So that will help us. That will mean the advisor doesn't have to re-key information. Uh, I guess the other big thing that will help um, us, particularly when attracting clients in the first place, is that we have got an online portal that a client can log into, can fill out the fact find. That should make the meeting that you have with our advisors uh, much more, I guess... Um, efficient, mm. effective. Um, you're not having to ask somebody how old their kids are, what their dates of birth are. You know, all that boring, hard data that yeah. we need in order to do a transaction, which is, yeah, it's really important. But do you don't really need to be sitting with an advisor taking that down? The client can fill it out at eleven o'clock at night, and then we can the meeting we have is just, I guess, much more informative, much more productive, and um, better outcome for the client. One would hope. Mm. And we've seen that obviously. Yeah, I can't open the trade press or get an email without this broker has launched this thing, this lender have launched that thing. Is it, um, we, do, we know that consumers are more demanding and they want a better customer journey and a smoother process. Does that mean that we as an industry are finally starting to understand this? Have we been a bit behind a lot of other industries, understanding the importance of the customer journey and, and how it works? Oh, I think to be fair to the industry as a whole, everybody in this industry who's been here for the past five, ten years, would probably say we've all been aware it's been a very laborious process to go through to get one of mm-hmm. our customers a mortgage. Definitely. Um, the, the blockers to that changing really have been the ability for, for lenders and brokers to invest in the kind of technology they'd need to deliver that and also the will and the desire to do so. I, I think a lot of the changes that we've seen now have come about through the drive in PSD2 and open banking. They've really caused lenders in particular to sit up and say, okay, what can we do differently? And I think credit also to some of some of the new entrants in the market who've come in and um, ploughed a new furrow and said, okay, we think there's a better way of doing things and mm. we want to try and set an example to the market as to, to what that might look like. Now, they may, no, may not always deliver on that, um, yeah. but I think the ideas behind a lot of the solutions that we've seen are, are positive ones. Yeah. Matt, anything on that? Yeah, I think some of these uh, fintech startups in terms of banks, so Starling, Monzo, mm. Revolut, things like that, people are starting to realise that there's far better um, applications out there for how you deal with your bank. And naturally, they've evolved from the service that you'd get from a, you know, a, 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 an Amazon app, for instance, yeah. you know, and then you said, oh, you know, I've just been away in Sweden and 
all the lads brought cash. Sweden's nearly cashless society. I had to pay for everything on my card because I get the best rate. <laughs> so they were topping up my Revolut card. We were using the Revolut card. Every time I spent some money, it immediately told me what we'd spent and it immediately converted it into from Swedish kroner into pounds. And, you know, when I got home, I could just run a report. What have I spent in Sweden? I worked out and we got the boys to sort it out that way. Mm. So these are things that are real and these are things that people are using. And ultimately we can't then be seen as an industry that's going, oh, by the way, can you send me some pay slips and some PDFs and this, that, and the other? Is clients just look, clients look at you like you're mad because they, 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 how often do you do a mortgage? Once every two, three, four, five years? Well, yeah, So, so years then the they're only going to judge, they're not going to be going, not, you're not seeing a mortgage broker every other week, right? So you're going to go, so, so what's, um, you know, what am I judging you against? Well, you're going to judge you against the last sort of transaction where somebody's taken data off you. So yeah. that might be go compare, might be whatever. So, so you know, these things are far slicker than anything that we've got in our sector and, and our sector is just massively behind. Yeah. Is it going to disrupt it by having these things? Not necessarily, because I still think, you know, do you really need to get an offer out in 38 seconds? Not really. Uh, but, you know, is it a great place to start having all the data in one place so that you can help the chain move along so you can see what's going on with the solicitor? And if the lender then knows what's going on, if you can start applying some other technology to that so that we're identifying people, we only got to do it once, the solicitor yeah. doesn't have to do it and the lender doesn't have to do it. And the, you know, if the broker's already done it, these are things that will make serious differences to the client and the technology is there to enable that to happen. I think the the only other point I'd make on top of that really is that <clears throat> I think as you look at the amount of noise there is in this industry in particular at the moment around technology and there almost seems a new tech company coming out every other week saying <laughs> yeah. we're doing this, we're doing that, this is better, this is different, we're working with this lender, we're doing this. You know, Brokers have got to be really, really careful that when they're thinking about tech providers that they want to be working with, they're picking credible players who actually understand what's involved in delivering scalable long-term yep. technology solutions. Yeah. Going and relying on third-party fly-by-night businesses is potentially really risky because there seems to be a lot of them at the moment mm. and there seems to be a lot of people making some serious noise about wonderful promises of what they can, they can do. And I think you've really got to think through very carefully right now as a broker what technology you're going to be using and why you're using that yeah. firm. Oh, Matt, you see, you said that before. Actually, you said that in the past, the whole—I'm going to call it more tech, mortgage technology. I know you hate that. Um, it, it feels very much like the dot-com boom. Crazy amounts of money being banded around, and new brokers trying to fix the industry. Do you see, does it still feel like that at the yeah. moment? Yeah, yeah. There appears to be some FOMO going on. You yeah, know, right. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, I don't have it. I don't have it. Look. You're going to, in the long run, if you're just a broker who's just trying to look after their clients, then go and find a partner, whether that be a network or, a, you know, 27 Tech or whatever it might be, they can help you with your with your proposition to help look after your clients better. Um, we never set out to build something that was going to change the industry. What we built was something that helps us run our business better and understands what our clients need and also helps, you know, just every part of our business so you know we've created something that can hook into everybody else's mm. platform we never tried to we we built it ourselves it's a product system we built ourselves um because some of the stuff that was out there just didn't didn't help corico so you know we've got two sides to our business an ar and a da we can't go and use one person's provider that we put our business through because we've got clients who straddle both so that client's not going to be accepting that we've given them two different places to log in and see what they do so we so we have to look up so we we looked at what does the customer need for corico and then we've worked from there yeah and 
these guys build great sourcing. I don't want to build great sourcing. They build great sourcing. I, let, let 27 mm. Tech get on with it. If somebody comes up with a great way of IDing somebody or doing the get the bank statements or whatever it may, we'll, we'll just hook into it because yeah. that's that's what you should be doing. We need to use our platform to hook into whatever great technologies yeah. out there rather than worrying about building it yourself. I James think- is right. There are a lot of... There's a, you, I lead a load of nonsense every single day and it just makes me laugh and I just start laughing all the time and I, and fair play to them because they seem to be getting loads of money. But I, I, yeah, I, what's, actually, what's going on there? I don't know. <laughs> you stuck me in a bunker for 12 months and I'm, I'm never going to get some money. So. The, the problem is in some respects it's actually not helpful for the rest of us who are trying to deliver scenic, uh, you know, meaningful change yeah. to the market in terms of technology because you get these providers saying, We've done this fantastic, amazing thing, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? Mm. And then you actually dig beneath that, and you realise that the PR headlines do not reflect yeah, the underlying yeah. technology. That must really frustrate you, because everyone can see your journey. It's it's out there for you know you, you've you've done it right. It's taken you a while. You you've improved and improved and got better and better and better. And now you're delivering something. And just to have someone overnight say. We've done this. We're going to change the world. Must be so infuriating. You know, I think that the great thing about this industry is that the people in in positions of authority and who have a good understanding of what's really going on in this market are very capable of sitting back and looking at circumstances yeah. and deciding for themselves yeah. what's real and what's not. And and credit to people like yourselves and you know, the other organisations we work with, they do understand what a credible technology provider looks mm. like and what a real solution looks like, and they're able to discern the difference between a fly-by-night provider and, and yeah. one that's not. Um, I think that the risk, as I said earlier, for, for smaller brokers is you can get very easily dragged along by some great PR headlines and bury yourself in what seems like a great solution only to find that the reality is quite different. Yeah. You, um, and uh, actually, you, um, <laughs> you're right there, Matt. Go, go, yeah. I've, got, I've got a droopy mic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wish this was uh, this was video. That was priceless. Um, but anyway, I won't go into further detail of, of Matt and his uh, droopy microphone issues. Um, so a lot of everything, it seems to be at the moment, is on the, the first stage of the process, which is um, getting the information, getting the mortgage offer, etc. So is it, are you seeing anything or getting involved in anything when post-offer? Because part of the real issues is... Okay, we can actually get a mortgage offer out pretty quickly, generally speaking, uh, if we can improve the client journey. But then it hits legals and solicitors, and it all seems to fall apart again. Is that? I, I think it's a great point, and there's there's a lot of providers in the conventional market who've been building tech platforms and using them for quite some time to try and improve that process. And there's still investment coming now from from the likes of ULS and other players who've been in that space. Mm. Sort of her as well, uh, been there for some time. At the moment, I'm not seeing anything that kind of makes me think that somebody's really trying to change the dial on that one. Right. Um, and I think it's a challenge because you're you're trying then mm. to ultimately get solicitors themselves to buy into a solution when that's a very different part of their business to, to what they're currently yeah. used to. So I, I think the technology is there that could enable that process to be a lot slicker. But the reality is nobody's yet trying to deliver it on a scale and of sufficient difference to what we see currently to make it to make it work. Yeah. It's the transparency. So if these platforms can help you have a bit of transparency, like where is it falling down? Now, as I said, be careful what you wish for sometimes, right? So, But if, you know, you're dealing with a, a solicitor that's trying to hide behind not doing something mm. or, you know, and they're saying one thing to the estate agent and another thing to the broker and another thing to... If you've got some kind of platform, you can see what somebody's done and what stage you're at. I think yeah. that would... In terms of transparency and where we're at with with a broker, I mean, you're not going to fix the process, right? No one's going to fix the house buying process. But can you make 
you know, the key milestones. Easy, can yeah. can you be transparent about where the key milestones are? Where what's holding something up? You know, yeah. they're the things you want. You know, can can a client really understand? You know, because the clients use us, and they don't just use us for being a mortgage. They you know, we're like a shoulder to cry on, and that's mm. that's fine. That's what we do. That's 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 a that's a great part of of the service we provide. And if we can then help them see what's holding up their dream purchase or whatever, then great. Mm. Um. So I'm going to go on to the FCA, and they've uh, so they've said recently the price is king. Consumers should have more choice. Fair enough, and uh, less barriers to execution only, which seems to be going back on the principles of the mortgage market review, which was set up to protect the customer. Is this just pressure from lenders and new digital providers and platforms to help them make money, and will it lead to poor consumer outcomes? Will you? Is there is there a worry around this whole execution only piece? I think there's there's no question that there's a worry. I think, look, credit to the FCA in some respects for giving consumers more choice. And we should be facilitating those consumers who really do want to have an execution-only journey because there are some some out there and, and fair play to them for that. The reality in, in my mind is and continues to be that advice is the absolute best solution for mm. a customer. Um, and I think anybody who's worked in this industry, anybody who works for a lender or for a broker, when they need a mortgage, they go and get advice. We understand that. I, I continue to be astonished that the FCA don't seem to. Mm. Do people actually know what execution only means? Well, I don't think they do. I mean, that I would be, that really would be you know, are, we, are, we, are we looking at the next PPI? Yeah. Mm. You know, if somebody says in three years' time, I thought I got advice and I thought this is the right thing for me. Uh, yeah. For me... Well, we've had examples of that. We, we've, we? Had, yeah. we've had one in our office where some very smart guy uh, thought he'd taken out a, you know, a tracker that had no ERCs and actually took out a, a fixed rate. So... Um, Look, he did that advice, directly. He I did that directly, that. correct. <laughs> advice is the minimum that anybody should be looking for when they're taking out the biggest debt they're ever going to have. Mm. I just think, yeah, there's well, some smart. I, I could have done my own execution only at the start of the year, but I didn't actually. I logged on. I wanted to reduce my term, so I couldn't do that execution only. I could do it on a PT. I would have had to. I'd have had to go through a whole advice process with them. And I thought, do you know what? I might as well use my. I might as well use my own broker. <laughs> so I used my own broker, and and then we actually moved provider. So it it was a, it because you looked at the whole solution. You need to really understand why you're doing what you're doing. And I think sometimes it's good for somebody to question why you're doing it. A computer, if you keep putting in the, the what you think it wants to know, is ultimately going to tell you what you wanted to know in the first place, right? Computers mm. aren't very good at empathy and cross, and actually really sort of cross-examining you, know, cross -examining you facts, is the word. It? Yeah, 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 I mean, okay. it, it, so, you know, an advisor, a good advisor, and they're not all good advisors, remember. So there are some mm. people, let's face it, that an algorithm is going to do a better job then. But good advisors... Why did you look at me when you said that? I, could, I don't think I could replace you with an algorithm, Monty. Too complex. So, you know, look, so I think there is a place for execution only. I'm not sure I'd want to see 40, 50% of the market going that way. That just sounds, this is, there's going to be a whole world of pain. Yeah, absolutely. So, James, you uh, you travel around a lot. You talk to a lot of people, both brokers and lenders. Do you, From the broker's point of view, do you, do you get the sense that they really know or, or even some of them even care what's coming? Are they... Are they really in danger or do they think it's another millennium bug scare tactic? I, I think potentially they, they could be in danger. Um, I, I think, you know, lenders have been given a bad rep for, for driving this agenda around execution only. And I'm, I'm not convinced that that has actually been the case at all. Um, but that being said, I do believe and I can see that execution only and a drive to lenders working more closely with aggregators is potentially something of a smoking gun 
held above the intermediary community. And I think it's important, therefore, that we as a, as a group work closely together to ensure that we and lenders are very aligned on delivering the right solutions for us as businesses and also yeah. for, our, for our customers as well. I think if that alignment falls out of sync, then it becomes a very different game. And at that point, any player in this market is potentially at risk of something being disrupted in a big way that we haven't potentially foreseen yet. Matt, anything to add on that? And just from your point of view, you did you did a series of uh, presentations around uh, technology, didn't you? Going, I did. going around the country. What what was your sense from brokers you met doing that? Uh, I, I think most of them be lucky if they could use email. Some of them. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, you know, this is a broker-friendly show, yeah. No, uh, look, there are people that like to work in a certain way and that is absolutely fine and there are clients that like them to work that way. And, you know, that is that is that is fine. If you're coming, you know, if you're a 55, 60-year-old client, they might want to work in a different way and that's fine. My mum looks at her iPad all the time, checking out what's going on at Half Greaves Lansdowne and she's 72 years of age and she knows how to use technology. So this concept that it's a young person thing or an old person thing, I disagree with. Can a broker... The brokers just need to be aware... The biggest challenge for brokers, to be honest, I don't think, is, is is how can you get the client in the first place and how do you retain the client, right? So you the reason that you're going to be fighting an aggregator or you're going to be fighting a bank retaining your client is because the client needs to go through a fantastic process with you. You've looked after them, educated them. You tell them how they're going to look after them longer term. And if they buy into what you've done and they like what you do, why would they go anywhere else? If you've mm. provided great service... Um, then you should be okay. Um, if you've provided a load of old rubbish and somebody then thinks, and they don't value what you've done, as well, I mean, it's no different than any other industry, no, isn't it? Absolutely. You know. Yeah. So value what you do, brokers that value what they do and explain to clients why they do what they do and the technology can help back that up, right? The, don't forget the technology is really good at doing things when we're sleeping or we're down the pub. It can mm. be sending out the messages. Client can be logging in. It can be talking to you, all those kind of things. You know, you've taken out a five-year fixed rate. You could be talking to your clients about what to do next. You know, do you need an extension? Take out some more money, whatever it might be. There are lots of things that you can do for clients. Um, I mean, I'm, I'd be more interested in the FCA trying to find out how if I was in the middle of a five-year fixed rate and rates had moved in a certain way that I could exit that to get a better deal, that that, that would be, you know, like, I could yeah, I know c- what you mean. go in and uh, yeah. I've done an analysis on all the rates on the market and I see yeah. that I'm actually locked into something that I shouldn't be well, locked into. Well, t- there are tools right? out, out there that, uh, that are doing that, widgets uh, that, that they claim are doing that already. So that's um, fine as long as the FCA then allows. So the lenders would have priced in their five-year rates. So mm. that's not fair on the lender. They've they've gone to that. Are you going to allow them to get out? So there is a lot of complex things here. And I think ultimately customer choice is fantastic. And that's what should drive any great market. Yeah. Right? But <clears throat> you've got to be careful what you wish for sometimes both ways. Mm. Right? Brokers need to do a better job and... Don't rely too much, even though this is a technology podcast, Monty, that a computer, an algorithm is going to do as good a job as a human sometimes. I just don't believe it. I well, think we, we said yeah. the same thing nine months ago in this podcast, which is the single most valuable thing in all of your businesses is your clients. Yeah. You know, retaining those clients, looking after those clients, that is the most important thing you can do right now. If you're a transactional broker and all you're doing is getting a new client in, selling them a mortgage and letting them disappear out the door, mm. in my view, you won't be here in three to five years' time because the cost of acquisition is going to be too much for you. Absolutely. And so, the data that you have on a client, if you can use that data in a really 
clever way that they've allowed you to do something, yeah. you can become a really valuable part of their financial planning life. Mm. And I think that's what most of us need to migrate towards that you're not just there as James says if you're just a transaction you can get a transaction anywhere mm. but if you're part of their longer term thinking and planning and you can help them make big decisions why would what you're not going to go execution only yeah. are you you're not going to go to an aggregator no, absolutely and we have to do a better job just we have to do a service. much better job yeah it's up to us yeah so it's um it's June 2022 what does the market look like? Good question. Um, June 2022, the market has consolidated in the broker space, um, in my view. There are less brokers. There are more powerful, larger, bigger network firms. Um, the process that the majority of those firms use in, for example, submitting applications, gathering client mm. data, gathering documentation, gathering ID, is significantly different to what you see today. Um, and I think that change is almost one that right now you couldn't sit here and predict definitively, mm. except to say that it will be significant. I think you might see bespoke pricing based upon yeah. this open information that you might gather about somebody. I um, think that's a really good point. That's a really good point, that. I think, I think talking to lenders, some of them have definitely hinted at uh, that's the way they're going. If they've got through open banking, they've got they they know they know the borrowers better than than they know themselves. Sometimes I think uh, you might I end up with sorry, you might end up with like tailor made mortgages, yeah. you know, and a broker can be smack bang in the middle. You know, you've got you've got lenders at the moment like you know Bank of Ireland doing bespoke stuff. I think you might see that happening on a, on a, on a mass scale because I think if the data is going to be everything. You know, mm. they, call, they call it liquid gold. I really do think it, it could make some significant decisions. And not only the data that you've got on a client, it could be that you're getting health data, blah, blah, blah. You can price in how long you think somebody in a certain profession is going to live, et cetera, et cetera. So I think some really fascinating things that are going to happen. I think that will – I don't think that will be mass market, but I think you'll see a big significant move towards that mm. sort of bespoke pricing model. Yeah, and I think we, we're seeing that as well. And we, we've already started this year to make an investment in our system to enable us to support that because we think it could come – Right. potentially sooner than really the market thinks. So for certain lenders, if you're, you're doing a source, for example, and we can send that customer data off to the lender and get a decision back on what that product might look like, we yeah. want to be able to include that product in the results set in the way that you would do with a normal mortgage. And I think, as I say, that, that could come quite quickly. What about 2042? <laughs> I'd probably be on a golf course. <laughs> I didn't mean. I didn't mean. To Hopefully, I'm you. driving around the world in my camper van. Isn't he? <laughs> I'll be 87 years of age, causing mayhem. No, I won't be that old. Or not. You won't be that no, old. I won't be that old. I'll just feel like God. it. My knee felt. My knee felt like it yesterday in that rain. So, uh, well, I think that's um, that's been really good. But I've got last question. Um, if you weren't in the industry doing what you're doing, I'm asking everyone this: What would you do? Can we pick anything? Anything. Oh, well, what would you do? What did you want to be? What you know? You obviously wanted to. You go for the obvious cliches of Formula One driver, or <laughs> professional football, or or are you looking for something a bit more realistic? Well, I don't know. Just something honest. What would you? <laughs> so you know, you, you couldn't do what you're doing. What would you do? I, I for for me, two things in life I really enjoy: traveling and golf. So hey, look, if I could be a professional golfer and travel the world and play golf, I'd take that. Nice, Matt. In another life, I might well have actually bothered to use the degree I did. So I might have become like one of the... I, I like, I'm like James, actually. Travelling is something I, I adore. 
Um, I'd met someone, I did civil engineering at university. Could I have been a civil engineer that travelled the world building great buildings? I'd have probably... I'd have probably really enjoyed that. The scourge of architects everywhere. I hate architects. <laughs> Bunch of poncy designers. <laughs> what would you have done, Monty? Uh, well, I'd, it's too obvious for me because I always wanted to and still want to be a musician and a rock star. <laughs> so, you know, not, I've not, heard you no play, mate. It's unlikely. Yeah, it's very unlikely. Very, very yeah, And if you saw my calculations, Monty, you wouldn't have wanted me to <laughs> design any buildings. Well, I realised that when you said in 20 years' time you're going to be 87. <laughs> I feel like it. And on that bombshell. Anyway, there you go. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, maybe we'll get back together in another nine months and uh, and see where we are. Uh, thank you, James Tucker. Thank you. Thank you, Really, Monty. really thank you, good to have you. And thank you, Matt. Thank you, Monty. Thank you, James. And uh, <laughs> thank you all for listening. We will, of course, be back next month. And if you have any comments or questions in the meantime to put to either myself or any of our guests, you can contact me on Twitter at Monty's blog. Until next time, this is The Mortgage Show signing off.